Thanks for tuning in to Start With Scripture, a Hesed Heart podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Grove, here to bring you scripture reading and application that can fit into your morning routine and your busy schedule. Learn more at hesedheart.com. Good morning, my friends. I hope you're ready. Today's uh, passage is highly debated and uh, confusing. I'm going to be straight with (laughs) y'all. It's kind of a hard passage to get our heads around, but I just want to encourage you that just like in our last episode, we saw how complex God is. We can't wrap our heads around him. We can't understand everything about him. And that's okay. That's good. Because that means that God is bigger than me. Yeah, bigger than my fluctuations, bigger than my small mind. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than any person. Because he is greater. He is so complex. And we can rest, even when we don't understand his word, we can rest in the knowledge that his word is living and active. And we can rest in the knowledge of the character of the God who inspired it. God is loving. God is just. God is merciful. God is good. And we can rest in that even when we're wrestling with scripture because it's hard, y'all. And let me tell you, I I was doing some research. I read a bunch of commentaries on this section (laughs) and people are very split. (laughs) There's lots of different ideas. So let's go ahead and dive in and see if we can't get to kind of the heart behind what is being said. Remember, this is just talking about the resurrection of the dead and then the end, right? When the last enemy to be destroyed is death and when all things are subjected under God, that God may be all in all. That's, That's where we're coming from. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29, and I'm reading from the ESV. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? And here, this is tricky, y'all. The English translation sure makes it seem like people are being baptized for someone else after they have died. Right? And there's a lot of, of split about this. People arguing, well, what does it really mean? And there are some denominations that have taken this to be truth. And then they are baptized or they give or whatever else on behalf of people who have passed away beforehand. And I have to say, something that some of these commentaries pointed out is that, one, Paul is never lumping himself in this category, right? He's never saying, we do this. There's also a lot of room here where it could mean something different, right? Some people say that baptism was put off until the end of their life at the time, and that that was a common thing. Some people are saying, you know, we we really didn't see this in Paul's time. We didn't really hear any, any writing about this elsewhere, so we don't really think that's what he was talking about. Other people say that it is simply interpreted in a weird way <laughs> into English from the original Greek. And that really, it could mean something like being baptized on behalf of the resurrection of the dead, for the sake of the resurrection of the dead, right? That that you have like basically hope after you're dead, and that's the intention and the point of baptism. But one thing we know for sure is that we can use scripture to interpret scripture. And anywhere else, I have never seen it encouraged 
or commanded to be baptized on behalf of someone who isn't you. I have not seen that as a thing. And we also know that that when we come to faith in Christ, he encourages baptism. He would encourage baptism of whole families, right? We know that that is is what he encouraged. And so we can hold true to that truth, even though this is a little bit confusing. We don't want to cling to this one little detail that's confusing instead of looking at the overarching picture. We don't want to get stuck here instead of remembering who God is. So we can just kind of skim past that now that you know some of the background. I don't have all the answers to be totally honest. If you have questions, I would love to chat with you. but we're going to keep on cruising. If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Kind of like for the sake of uh, of them. Why are we in danger every hour? And this actually kind of shows another interpretation is that people kind of view baptism as like, almost like in this section, they view baptism as, as suffering, as trials. You know, why are we going through trials? on on this behalf. And now Paul is saying, why are we in danger every hour? And a lot of people believe that this is kind of talking about like, if there is no resurrection of the dead, why are we still holding to this truth? Why are we risking our lives if there is no hope after death? Especially the apostles, but, but any believer, why are we in danger every hour? He goes on, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die every day. And again, he he is in danger every day, right? And again, this whole sentence, again, there's a whole bunch of splitness on it. (laughs) But we're going to keep moving past it because he says, what do I gain if humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Like what would he be gaining by going through all of this suffering for Christ when there would be no hope after death? Because all that would happen is we would die, right? He goes on, do not be deceived which I love, by the way. So he's pointing out these these false arguments, right? Like, why would this be a thing? Why would we be suffering? Why would we be putting ourselves through this if there was no hope? Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. He's saying, don't be deceived. You need to wake up because there is hope right? There is hope. Do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Not allowing false teachers and lies to take up a prominent place in our lives, right? Bad company ruins good morals. We need to wake up. We need to have a knowledge of God that is our own. He said, for some have no knowledge of God. We don't want to be that some. We don't want to be deceived. We want to be awake. We want to be living life with God. So the heart of what I take about this is don't be deceived. Come back to the Lord and know him. Seek him for knowledge. And even today, don't get distracted by the little things we don't understand, but come back to God and the knowledge of him and come back to hope because we know we have it. And that is why we show up every day. 
That is why we are here living the purpose and the calling that God has placed on our hearts. So thanks for bearing with all the confusion, my friends. (laughs) We're going to be continuing on about the resurrection of the dead tomorrow. So I will see you then. If you are ready to live your purpose without self-doubt or discouragement knocking you down, if you are ready to get tools that you can implement to get you focused on Christ grounded in his word and actually getting to the root of issues, then you will love to hear about the 90-Day Faithfully Flourishing program. It does all of those things with three pillars of love, of balance, and of flourishing, all based in Christ. You can go find more information at hesedheart.com slash 90, the number 90. That's hesed, H-E-S-E-D, heart.com slash 90. So take that first step today, head to the website, get the information, book a call, and I look forward to talking to you soon.